Hey guys, I'm really happy to partner with Well Woman Vegan from Vitabiotics as sponsors of By Back. For anyone like me leading or trying out a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle with a busy schedule, Well Woman is there to support you all along the way. It provides 24 nutrients, including higher levels of iron and vitamin B12. You can find them across the UK and Ireland nationwide. Hey there, I'm Roz Purcell, best-selling cookery author, ex-model, entrepreneur and host of Bite Back. How would you define your relationship with your body? Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible women who get frank about their relationship and ever-changing journeys towards self-love and acceptance. As the body positivity movement takes full flight, I want to be part of the conversation that puts pleasure back on your plate. Together, we'll discuss why numbers on a scale doesn't and shouldn't define us and how amazing our bodies really are. Here to join us today is YouTube star and author Melanie Murphy. Melanie wrote the bestseller, Fully Functioning Human, almost. Mm -hmm. A memoir full of advice for young people growing up in this digital age. She is one to never shy away from sexuality, women's rights and health and relationships. And of course, body image. Melanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You're so open about topics that, you know, generally we kind of try to avoid talking about. Especially in Ireland. (laughs) Especially in Ireland. Let's go back to the start. Um, Yeah, sure. What has been your journey with your body What was it like growing up? When I was a kid and a young teenager, I was quite gangly and I always felt a bit uncomfortable in my body that like I had no shape. I was very like straight up and down. And I just had the normal feelings of, you know, comparing myself to celebrities and music videos and stuff Mm. because there was no social media until I was about 16. And, you know, people say a lot about social media yeah, I think it's easier to compare ourselves to more people now. But I do think that has always existed. Like I even talked to aunties of mine and my mom and stuff. And when they were younger, it was like everyone in your community. You would be comparing yourself yeah. always. I feel like it is in us. But that's kind of changed now to this look. It's not real because so many people, it's angles and Photoshop mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's also like surgeries and all that kind of thing. So people are almost trying to emulate something that they can't emulate. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, it was all like, you know, just don't eat and you'll look like this. Mm-hmm. And it was just mad. Like, But it didn't actually really start getting bad until I was quite old. I was about 18 when I started gaining a lot of weight and I put on about four stone in a year and a half. So that's Mm -hmm. a really, that's a lot of weight to gain in a short amount of time. And it was for a number of reasons. Like I was on a certain pill that made me probably more susceptible to gain weight and stuff. But also I was like really depressed and I was just going through a lot of life changes that I was comfort eating. Mm -hmm. So I was just eating everything and I didn't, I didn't actually notice the weight gain, which a lot of people don't believe me when I say that. But I didn't really look at myself in the mirror at that time because I wasn't happy. Yeah. And I was going through, you know, a lot of stuff with like an ex, like we kept breaking up and get back together. And I remember just kind of just realising one day how how much weight I'd gained, how much stretch marks I had, how none of my clothes fit me. And a doctor then kind of like said it to me about that I was nearly obese. And I was like mortified because of the way he spoke to me. And then, you know, you have this kind of ingrained into your brain through your whole life. Fat is bad. Fat is bad. It's wrong to be fat. You shouldn't be fat. You know, it it was just every angle was saying this to me. I was kind of like, right, I have to do something about it. So that's when I kind of started dieting when I was when I was 19. And, you know, just doing everything that I would see in magazines like the baby food diet, the cabbage soup diet, the maple syrup diet. And I would just try these things, obviously never stick to Mm -hmm. them. Obviously, I'd do it for like a couple of days and I'd, you know, be starving and then I would just go back to normal. And 
something clicked when I met my ex. So I was with a guy for six years yeah. and he was really into cooking and he had a quite a healthy attitude to like food and his body. Mm-hmm. And I learned to cook with him and I, I actually started then losing weight really healthily because yeah. we would go for walks together. You know, I was having sex and all. Yeah. And then I would go to the gym sometimes and I was just kind of eating what he was eating. Yeah. So I gradually lost the weight healthfully and I was conscious that I was trying to lose mm-hmm. weight like I was eating less than I probably needed and I was exercising more but it was like it wasn't by a mad amount it wasn't like yeah. a big diet it was just like the whole lifestyle change that mm-hmm. they all talk about I was in my early 20s and I was going to start my degree and I was at a healthy weight and you know I, I had loads of energy and I was all this that and the other but I didn't know how to stop losing weight and I didn't know how to transition into like weight maintenance. Mm-hmm. And they don't teach you about that. They'll like, even like doctors and things like they'll tell you what to do to lose weight. But your body then goes into this kind of state of like being hungry and, and obviously your metabolism adjusting mm-hmm. to being constantly restricting and stuff. And I've been doing that for, I had, it took about two years to lose the 60 pounds yeah. that I gained. And I just didn't know how to like stop and I didn't even I couldn't see the changes as well the way everyone else was saying like oh my god you look great and mm-hmm. oh you know they're all complimenting me and I couldn't like I I still felt weird because I had lost weight through like cardio and stuff and I hadn't done any kind of resistance training. So my body looked the same except smaller. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I think that's where like body dysmorphic thoughts came in. Yeah. And I, I wasn't really seeing like any progress that I, like I wasn't seeing the level of progress I'd made. I, mm-hmm. I, I obviously could see on the scale the number was different, but I couldn't. Um, I was like, nah, I can still keep going. Like I can lose more. And then it just became all about like, how can I be healthier? How can I be better? How can I eat less? How can I eat cleaner? How can I be the best at this that I can be? And it spiraled from like just trying little things like cutting this out, cutting that out to then I found people on the internet and I would never blame them for development because the first eating disorder that I had was orthorexia, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even know existed. I didn't know there was a word for that. Um, I found out like through talking to people like and I eventually went into therapy for that during my degree and And I was... How did you get to go into therapy? Because I know for me... I went to counselling as well and it was a big step because I think back yeah. then when I did it I was no one really talked about it. Oh no. It and was it for was me, the biggest hush hush thing yeah, ever. Yeah, for me like counselling was the thing that like was on TV in America and yeah. you know, I don't wanna admit that I'm not strong enough to deal with whatever I'm doing. Because I was in DCU, I had access, you know what I mean? Like it was it it is very difficult in this country to get access mm. to the right people. And um, so I think I was just lucky in the time of my life that it happened because I also knew a family member of mine who was in DCU was doing counselling for like unrelated, you know, like mental health mm. stuff. And this did fall under like a mental health issue. So I was kind of like, oh no, I'll give that a try. And it led into like, I, I ended up kind of doing it for quite a long time, not even just for that, it, because it was tied into a lot of other things. It wasn't. Well, this is the thing. Eating disorders are actually usually nothing to do with food. Yeah. Yeah. It's something control else. Control. And, and and just for those of you who might be wondering, DCU is a college here in Ireland. And oh yeah. CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. So this is actually, that was actually therapy that I chose to take yeah. on. And it is hard to get someone because I think yeah. I, I think I went through about, two or three people before I found someone I really connected with and yes. who actually who I f- was taking advice on and yeah. I used to always think that counselling would never work for me because I was different 
this was deeply ingrained in me and I was stuck. But I was living in a fear that one day I wouldn't be able to do it anymore because it completely ruined the rest of my life. Yeah. So anyway, with the, the orthorexia, like I that uh, over time got better like so it was so bad at one point that like I wouldn't blend stuff in a blender because it would be touching the blades in the blender like I was freaked by I thought I would get cancer if I ate at now a plastic packet I was I was so sucked down this wormhole of like people who are like afraid of like a, a sandwich like people who mm. are terrified of food and what I learned in therapy as well was that a big part of that is is humans desire for tribe that like nowadays you know there's not necessarily like much community spirit anymore and religion has mm. kind of fallen away so it's so like we, being part of a food culture yeah. is or a, a diet is almost like you're part of a community yeah it's weird it's 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 a weird um negative destructive way to go down that road but like you know now I'm part of like the writing community and like weightlifting community mm. and all these positive communities that help me but but there are negative ones there, there as well. Like people, some people go into sports and then other people will go down looking pro Anna hashtags and they'll find loads of people who are like going down that road and mm. they'll get sucked into that. And I actually, there's a big part of me that I look back on my social media five, six years ago when I was going through, you know, my hard issues with food. I completely showed people a lie online. Oh, I yeah. would put up all this food that I was not eating. Yeah. And oh, I people was, do that still. I, I know was, people who do and that. I was telling people... I don't have, you know, I work out, yeah, but I can eat whatever I want. I look this way. You wanted way. to be perceived as I that person did, I wanted who to looked be, that way, yeah. but also can eat all the stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so everyone would be like, how does she do it? Yeah. And you know what? I led people on this lie that I was this person who could have everything and yeah. did everything. And it was because I just tried so hard to keep it there. And it was mm. a part of, I think, how I just eventually needed to stop was part, I was living a lie. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't tell people what I was actually feeling. Yeah. As I was kind of recovering from the orthorexia and I was starting to like slowly eat new things that I was afraid to eat mm-hmm. before and, and just kind of accepting like, you know, this is not going to kill me. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just just normal food. What happened was, I think because I'd been in this restrictive mindset for so long, then if you're sl- starting to give your body stuff that is like chemicals or like um, stuff that is quite addictive, you know, like a, a, pi- a plate of chips or mm-hmm. something like that, I would never feel satisfied or full. Mm-hmm. I would I would always be wanting more and I think my body was just in this weird state. It's weird because I was really like so happy. Oh, I've recovered. I'm better. Mm-hmm. But I just went into another eating disorder then. And, you know, a lot of people get diagnosed with EDNOS, I think, is it? eating disorder not otherwise specified is that Mm -hmm. what that means what I was told I had was binge eating disorder but I actually think it was a bit more like EDNOS I'd eat so much that I'd be in agony and that's not natural like we don't you don't see cats and dogs really doing like animals Mm. they just their hunger regulates because they just eat when they want when they're hungry and I just couldn't get that into my head like I then, you know, the next, while I'd be doing this restrictive thing, I'd be like, I really want a bowl of pasta or I, I want this or I want that. But I'd be like, no, you can't have that because of what you did at the weekend. Yeah. So it's just this horrible cycle that it's just goes on. It's this vicious circle. And you know what? I Binging and purging was a huge part of my lifestyle in my early 20s. and mm. But I think I kind of had so much, I, I gained, what happened was I started to gain more and more what I thought was control and it would just be purging yeah. and if I binge I'd get sick yeah. so that's when I would like just get sick if there was anything I ate that yeah. wasn't 
on my good on, list. Yeah. What I don't do anymore is not let myself have something just because it's not one of like on the good mm-hmm. list. My the way I kind of go about it now, and I like I got over the binge eating in a similar way to the orthorexia, but it was a lot more of like a mental kind of. Uh, I had to really change my mindset and and self educate a lot because mm-hmm. I had to understand like the way your body kind of works and responds to food. Like if you're on a diet and if you're limiting yourself ever, you're gonna binge. You're gonna want to binge. You're gonna bounce back. And I accepted that I had to gain weight for an extended period of time to be able to be completely recovered. Yeah. And that's even documented on my channel. Like that whole like time where I was heavier and stuff, just kind of like. I I stopped weighing myself, stopped counting calories. Stopped, I kept track of my food to make sure I was eating enough mm-hmm. and enough variety. And I still do that even now. Like, And some people will say, is that not a really unhealthy habit? Uh, no, but, I have to agree with you. So yeah. when I was getting over it, one thing actually tracking what I needed, so my macros, yeah. was actually fundamental for me to, yeah. to get over my fear of carbohydrates. Okay, yes. Um, learning about macronutrients and... You know, like educating myself on what my body needed, needed and, yeah. and food really helped me yeah. to actually understand foods that I feared I yeah. need. You need them. Now when I'm kind of tracking, it's such a different, it's for such a different reason. It's because I don't want to put my body through the whole up and down thing. Mm. Like I want to be on this kind of consist. And also then I can kind of look at it and be like, I can look at patterns and can catch bad habits before they spiral into mm. something because even though this is the thing that is really hard to talk about because even though I've recovered from eating disorders and I my goal was always to just, you know, have kind of an 80-20 lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's not just about that. Like, there is the health side of it as well because I have IBS and things like that. So that was like really difficult for me to accept that like the way I was eating was kind of making my digestion issues kind of really bad. And I kind of had to eat that way to recover But at the same time, it's not like a long term solution Mm -hmm. for me. So I feel like for my whole life, I'll always have to be kind of adjusting things depending on what I'm going through. And like, but it's of a place of love, not of a place of like hate and control. And once you actually just start accepting that your body and you, you're just enough. Mm. It doesn't, your physical shell really doesn't matter. Like as long as you're a nice, decent person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you kind of accept certain things about life, it just becomes like a billion times easier. I don't wake up every day thinking, I I love every part of Mm. my body and stuff like that. It's a constant process. And I think that's a big reason why even on social media, like I'll post stuff, like pictures sometimes, even when like on that day, I'm not necessarily at my top peak confidence, but I'm like, this is the stuff I want to see. Like I want to see more people who just look like normal average size like I'm not I'm not like real mad fitness looking but I'm also not super plus size it's just that kind of middle person seem like the most people that that don't post you know what I mean because I do follow a lot of amazing like you know the real body body positive like plus size women and stuff and then I follow a lot of people who are super into fitness and they really inspire me but I do I do just wish more kind of like average Joes posted their bodies like and then other people then will comment going like oh you're not average and stuff but my size I'm a UK size 12 Mm. like that is an average UK size 12 14 right now is like most people and there's nothing wrong with that size. It's like the acceptable version is when you have a massive bum, massive boobs, tiny waist. And that's just not most people. And yeah. And like, I think every single year, every couple of years, you know, there's this like new idea of what the perfect body yeah. is. And we need to just learn 
that that's complete yeah. bullshit. Yeah, we all because look, we all look different. We and, all look different, yeah. and if you spend your whole life wanting to look a different way, mm. you're gonna waste so much time doing end. things that actually bring happiness and. We forget that our body lets us do things that make us happy, whether mm. that's go to the gym, make food, or go traveling. Climb mountains, yeah, like, climb mountains, whatever have it is. And we forget, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself: Isn't my body so good? It's still holding all my organs together. Like it has yeah. a function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's much greater than how it looks. <laughs> yeah. And like it's just as a society, and it's there's so much everything. focus on. It's just women as well. Like there's so much focus on on our outward appearance that like I don't think it's ever gonna. I'm never gonna get to a point where I don't care about my appearance. Mm. Like I do. When I'm feeling like bad about myself, I just pair back like what you said. And I I just think of myself as, you know, my body and my outward appearance is the vessel. And then who I am Mm -hmm. is like what I do, what I say, how I treat people, you know, making people laugh, like creating art. Like that's who you are as a Mm -hmm. person. And like and then having a positive impact on other people. And society right now rewards people who do focus on the outward appearance and, you know, they don't show much substance to their personality and it, they, they just, you know, put up these incredible pictures that are great to look at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I appreciate the female form very much. Like, I, I've, I've always found, you know, women attractive as well. So, like, I, I know what that's like as well for, like, young lads. We've just spent so much of our time basing on aesthetics and now it's turned to, you know, basing on likes and I think it can be very, very difficult for any young kids out there in schools. Like, I was so lucky we didn't have that growing oh, up no. <laughs> oh my god! Like there was enough pressure as it is, like going to a girls' school or whatever, having the pressure of seeing other girls. And but yeah. imagine if everyone had likes, you know, oh like god. oh so and so, she gets double the likes that I get. Yeah. It's just another way to put yourself down. And yeah. I'm just listening to this. It's complete bullshit because oh, it is. Total you know what? Bullshit. You need to when you start feeling like that, go back, look in the mirror. And remember who you are and what you have to offer. Yeah. And you know what? That is just so much more than any interactive or virtual world. Yeah. And I know, and we were saying this in other episodes, we, you know, we're giving little challenges to people. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just for us, I think I always try and really hard to go off social media. Yeah. Social media can enhance your your real life but it should never become your whole real life yes. because that's what people don't yeah. understand. They, like some people like to demonize social media. I I think it can be amazing. Like think about it. if you weren't on Facebook, like being on Facebook, even like I'll get invites to different things mm. and you know, all my family are on there. So I can kind of keep up with Remember with people's and, birthdays. Yeah, it just and, does you know, help. I even think like you and I, we probably, if we didn't have social media, I don't know, would we have ever met, you know? Yeah, no, no. And yeah. like it does, it's a really great way of connecting people, but it's so important. Like you, you just said there, have to balance and also realising that you know it can complement your own life but remembering that your life your whole life should not become based on on the internet it is a highlight rail no one takes out their camera when they're on the floor having a panic attack no one takes out a camera when they're having a fight with their boyfriend or they're like they've lost a job or whatever like in the same way that 200 years ago people didn't go to a party all dressed up and talk about all their problems like we, we want to have this front facing kind of like the good stuff about, uh, you know, about our life. And that's normal. But I think what the problem is, is young people aren't educated enough about it. I think they're told it, but they don't really understand the level mm. of of what people do and don't share. So I do try now and share stuff like, 
if I'm having a shit day, if I'm crying, if I look, you know, I'll, I'll film myself and no makeup on, my hair up in a messy bun. This is stuff that everyone deals with. Yeah. To try and be as, as yourself as possible and share like how multifaceted you are. But it's kind of just shown that like your life isn't one big smile on a beach, mm-hmm. you know, like it's shown that like there is so much behind the camera and to kind of make that like your interactions with real people and, and your real life like put more weight there and more weight in like your happiness and looking after yourself rather than trying to fit this one mold just so you get the most likes on feckin Instagram because the likes will be gone one day anyway yeah exactly <laughs> well Melanie we're going to leave it there and guys you can um, catch me over on Melanie's YouTube yeah, but if you want to hear more from out. Melanie you can get loads and loads of content over on Melanie's uh, YouTube so also you can find her on Instagram where she posts lots of different um, posts about different topics and you know ones that I think people are sometimes afraid to talk about so um, mm. it's a really good space to go um, to get inspired and feel positive and Melanie oh. thanks for coming on my podcast no today. thanks for having me it was lovely thank you so much for tuning in to Buy Back if you've enjoyed this episode we would love to hear from you let us know by rating sharing and subscribing to Buy Back and don't forget to join us next week where we sink our teeth into some more inspiring conversations <laughs>